Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,360. Today, you're either going to get better or you're going to get worse. Nobody ever stays the same. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Do you know the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and the interior, is with a car cover? I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. That's right, 1975. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft has been manufacturing premium quality exterior and interior covers for over 50 years with a stellar reputation for durability and design. They're the world's largest manufacturer of custom-patterned vehicle covers that are crafted to fit over 80,000 patterns and growing. They are the only cover I'll put on my vehicles. You can choose from a wide variety of fabrics, styles, colors, and more. From full cover designs for factory to custom-made vehicles, plus convertible top covers, trucks, truck cab coolers, motorcycles, scooters, ATVs, trailers, campers, personal watercraft, and a wide variety of custom features. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark sent you. That's Covercraft.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest calling in from Long Beach, California, Ryan Zamalin. Ryan, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Let's do it, Mark. All right. Ryan Zamalin is a founder of Carrera Media and the author of its first title, Slow Car Fast, The Millennial Mantra, Changing Car Culture for Good, which is available for pre-order now. But actually, the day this show's airing, this book released. So today's August 19th. Very cool that your book is releasing on the day that we're here to talk. You can find it at CarreraBooks.com. And that's spelled C-A-R-R-A-R-A books, plural, dot com. Most recently, Ryan served as senior writer for Trucks.com and his freelance work, has appeared in Road & Track, The Verge, Auto Bytel, and many other publications. His weekly newsletter on the car culture is called Race Day, and new issues release every Wednesday on Substack.com. Ryan, I'm so excited to have you on the show today. I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment and share a little bit more about your business and your career before I jump into the questions? Sure. Thanks, Mark. I've been uh, a trained journalist for um, the past 12 years. Started out in breaking news and local news and wanted to become a sports writer. Writing about cars and racing and motorsports was part of what I could do. And gradually, cars became more of what I was doing and I wanted to move into that full time. And uh, I'm just fascinated by the really rich history and stories and all the different ways that cars intersect with our lives and and affect our lives and and build uh, this passion within us, but also affect so many other people who maybe aren't necessarily enthusiasts, but deal with cars on a daily basis. And so I've just been thrilled to tell stories about how cars affect our our lives every day. Two years ago, I founded Car Media. I was looking for ways to get out stories that we might not see in our normal publications. There were stories that I was noticing as I was going around to different events and car shows, trends that were being started by younger enthusiasts uh, that I, I didn't think were were getting the attention they deserved. And so I wanted to 
put them all in one place, document them, and really, really show what this moment in car culture is doing and how it's how it all came together. And so that was the beginning of uh, the new book, Slow Car Fast. And uh, as you mentioned, it will be out today. And I'm very, very excited to get it in people's hands. Absolutely. Well, we're going to learn more about this book as we go through the questions. But I have a few questions for you first, kind of set the tone for the listeners about who Ryan is. So as we start on this journey, I'd like to ask you for a success quote or a mantra. This is some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on cars. Yeah. So Ryan, take the wheel. My high school basketball coach and I didn't always get along, but we did connect on one thing. He used to uh, say something to us and he would say, today, you're either going to get better or you're going to get worse. Nobody ever stays the same. And that really stuck with me, not necessarily as like a scare tactic, but although that may have been part of it, but I started to view each day and each practice and each drill as an opportunity to get better and approach everything that I did as, okay, this is a chance for me to get better and improve on what I'm capable of and what I can do. Uh, For the longest time, I thought he invented that quote. And then I later found out that it was, uh, it's attributed to Bo Schembechler, the the uh, the famous football coach from the University of Michigan. Ah, okay, <laughs> very cool. So he he never he never mentioned that part, but but he did instill that in us, and uh, I'm grateful that he did. I'm, I try to ca- carry that with me every day and get a little bit better and improve my skill set. It kind of reminds me of the uh, concept, the Japanese concept of kaizen, constant and never ending improvement, the sharpening right. of the saw. Yeah, it, it kind of goes with all those things. I think that's great. Yeah, most definitely, I think for most people, they want to improve every day and do a big step or a little step to improve every day and do something. And obviously, with being a motivational coach uh, in sports, that's what you want your players to be is constantly improving. And maybe that was a a little bit of his chance to say, you know what, if you don't work hard, you're not going to improve. You're going to slide back and don't do that. We all had those coaches in the high school that some of them we liked and some of them are a bit of a challenge, that's for sure. <laughs> but there's, some, there's something you can take away from everyone and, and every experience, and so that's what I try to apply now. That's the best way to look at it. Well, let's go back in time a little bit and talk about a story that instigated your personal passion for cars. Is there a pivotal moment in your life when you knew that you were going to be a car guy? There is, yeah. And I think that my example is probably a very uniquely millennial experience, but I remember very vividly in probably junior high school sitting around uh, in my friend's living room with a a big group of friends and we were all playing the latest Need for Speed video game. We were all picking our cars and I was switching through and looking for one that I thought was fast or cool. And I came on red Ferrari 550 Maranello. Mm. And I thought that was the most beautiful machine I'd ever seen in my life. And I remember just staring at it as it like rotated around on the selection. Yeah. As you're picking up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Exactly. On the the selection screen. And everyone was telling me, pick one, pick one. Yeah. And uh, they wanted to to race. Well, all I wanted to do was stare at that thing. And so (laughs) from then on, I just had to know everything about that car. And I just, just devoured uh, magazines. And um, this was in the early days of car websites coming together. And so, um, from from then on, that was that was what I wanted to do with my spare time is find out more about um, not only that car, but uh, all others just like yeah. it. Many a young man has been bit by the Ferrari bug. That's yeah. for sure. That's for sure. They've made some beautiful cars over time. Well, let's take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and talk about a big challenge or a big failure. You mentioned in our pre-show chat, your regular listener here, 
on cars. Yeah, I'm very grateful for that. So you know about this question. It's not so much about the specific challenge or failure, but it's more about the learn that you got from this and how you took it and moved forward. So kind of walk us through one of those times, if you would, and tell us how that experience helps you gain even more momentum as you move forward in your career, your business, and or your life. Sure. I graduated with a degree in print journalism in 2008, which was not the best time to Ooh, get into the, year. Yeah. the media business. And so my career has gone down many, many, many different paths, sometimes because I chose them and sometimes because the decision was made for me that uh, something else was going to happen now. And it can be very difficult. It can be very frustrating. But what is what has allowed me to to keep going and keep finding reasons to keep pressing on is uh, my passion for these stories and for for cars. And when I'm having trouble finding a story to get placed, I think about what do I really want to say and what do I really want to tell. And on several occasions, I've just gone ahead and done it without a guarantee of it was going to get published anywhere. My belief in that I believe in this story so much, I'm going to write it, do a great job, and someone is going to like it has worked several times. And so that has just been proof to me that if you really believe in what you're doing, even if you're getting no's, go for it, do the best you can. And when it's done, people will see the value in it. There are ways to make your own way when it seems like doors are closing. There are ways to make your own way. That's also what I'm doing with with uh, this media company too. I'm trying to find ways to uh, create a platform for myself and for others who are maybe looking for stories that they're passionate about um, but aren't necessarily a good fit for traditional outlets. That's what I want Carrara Media to be. Yeah. You know, uh, some things come to mind here. Remind me back when uh, in my the first part of my career, I worked in advertising as a creative director, but I asked my boss very quickly, how can I make more money? And he said, well, you can be an account executive too. Go out and bring work in. And I went, how do I do that? And he said, well, you go downtown and go up in those high rises and knock on doors. <laughs> mm-hmm. Talk about a tough way to make a living. Uh, but it taught me some great lessons. I remember wanting to land this one account so bad. And I finally got past the uh, the young woman who was at the receptionist's desk. They were always the first blockers, right? <laughs> no mm-hmm. one in here wants to talk to you today, kid. Get out of here. I learned to bring them donuts. Sometimes that worked pretty well. But uh, but, but you, you, didn't, you didn't know until you got in there. Exactly. You didn't know. And, and I remember I finally got to meet with this guy thinking, oh, I'm finally here and I'm going to sell him and he's going to hire us and we're going to create his marketing materials. And, and he didn't. But I think you could see the look on my face. I was in my mid-20s. I really didn't know what I was doing very much. And he said, hey, Mark, he goes, a no today doesn't mean no tomorrow. And he like opened that little crack in that door. And he said, it's just not right timing for us, but I want you to come back again. You know, and I said, I learned to ask the question, when can I come back again? What is it that you need from us? And uh, the great thing that that he did for me too that day is he said, I have a friend who works two floors down that I think could use your help today. Let me call him for you. And I went down and I landed that job. And so what you just said is a good example of that is when one door doesn't open, go to another and go to another and go to another. And no today just means not today, maybe tomorrow. So uh, yeah, it's a way to look at it when you, you hear all those no's. It can get pretty defeating, can it? It can, but you know, like you mentioned, you meet one person and they know three other people who know three other people. And it's about, it's about the connections you make and the relationships you build. And if it's a no now, maybe three years from now, you get that call 
that, hey, I remember our conversation and I'm looking for somebody I think you're a good fit. That's happened to me before too. And so it's just about going for what you believe in, being genuine and, and believing that it's going to pay off if you believe in it. Exactly. I've had guests on this show that I've chased for years and the timing just wasn't right for them for one reason or the other. And then finally they call in and say, hey, I'd like to be in your show now. Uh, maybe because the show's bigger, more people are listening. Maybe it's because of the TV show I have now and they, they want to be on the – obviously everybody wants to be my friend now that I've got a TV show. I want to be on your TV show. But uh, yeah, you just got to keep working at it, keep those connections going, and uh, be politely persistent is what uh, one person told me. Uh, just be politely persistent with people. Right. Yeah, great story. Well, let's have a little bit of fun and talk about your first really special vehicle and a memory you might have about that ride. I grew up around Mustangs, and so my very first car was a bright red Fox Body 5.0 Mustang GT convertible, which as a teenager was the absolute <laughs> super perfect, cool perfect yeah. car. <laughs> Rolling around uh, Southern California oh, yeah. after, after high school uh, was was just a dream. Um, but unfortunately, that car met its met its end in a fender bender. So I was terrified that I was going to have to replace it with uh, something I didn't like. Yeah, grandma's and car. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I thought I was getting a, a small economy car or something. And uh, my my dad and I found an almost identical, but even better, 88 Fox Body black on black Mustang GT. And that was even better. And yeah. so uh, having lost the first one, I appreciated the second one <laughs> much, <laughs> yeah. much, much more. Oh, yeah. And just had an absolute blast in it. And the experiences I have um, being in college and rolling to the beach with friends and uh, rolling around it at night with the top down, uh, just uh, I'll treasure that forever. Yeah, for sure. Is there a seller's remorse story in your garage, a car you wish you still had? Yeah, that's the one. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, I graduated in college and I needed reliable transportation. And so uh, the Mustang was was starting to get a little a little older. And so it had to go. And I wish uh, I would have found a way to hold on to that one. Um, but uh, that's how it goes. We all have those stories, Ryan. There's been uh, 1,359 before your show here. So uh, I understand 100%. I would love for you to share more about this book because I find it really, really interesting. And this is a conversational topic that comes up quite often here on Cars. Yeah. About millennials how that demographic has changed the car culture, how it's changing the car culture. Your new book, Slow Car Fast, The Millennial Mantra, Changing Car Culture for the Good. Tell us what this book's about, what people can expect to learn, maybe a couple things that you learned that were surprising to you, because I understand you're a millennial, right? That's right. So uh, let's, let's listen about this new book, Slow Car Fast. I'm very interested in this. Uh, I'm fascinated by all the ways that the millennial experience is, is changing the way that car culture works and moves. And that's everything from the kind of cars that are being produced to the um, some of the sales figures for certain models that have skyrocketed while others have fallen in recent years, to the way that car shows themselves have changed and become less static and more vibrant, involving, and welcoming. Uh, a large part of that is due to social media, where Millennials want to go to a place where they have uh, the the backgrounds look good on Instagram, right? And so that's led to curated car shows, uh, things like Lufkacult, uh, which are placed in very distinct locations, so that they obviously first and foremost is just fun, but but second of all, they it can't be 
um, unnoticed that they they look great on Instagram when you're in a Hollywood backlot or a giant well, the la- yeah, the last one that uh, Patrick Long put on, yeah, that was phenomenal. I mean, just, just incredible, really cool. He's he's been a guest here on Cars, yeah. And this whole Luftecult thing that he's put together, do you think we're going to be seeing more shows like that? Yeah, there's no question. Um, others are changing along with that. I think the the growth of Radwood is a really important movement in the last few years uh, where they're celebrating cars from the 80s and 90s that in the past were not necessarily beloved. But it's not, I think it maybe began kind of as an ironic appreciation of things like that. And we're kind of in this post-irony stage now where, no, we actually do appreciate (laughs) these cars, which probably weren't necessarily the fastest things ever, but it brings us back to a more analog time. And, And that's the other thing. Millennials have a reputation for being connected to their phones and and completely immersed in their screens. But when they spend their money on something, they want something tangible that has a texture that they can feel that is going to give them feedback and response. Um, And that is, I believe, part of what's moving towards this trend of appreciating older cars that do give you that, that tactile response and feedback. And so I'm approaching some tropes and ideas about millennials and trying to really get into them. And we debunk a few and um, we, I really go after the idea that millennials don't care about cars or are disinterested, or they look at them as another appliance. I don't find that to be true. And um, I think I have enough examples in the book to support the fact that not only do they like them, but millennials are actively changing the way we're going to talk about and enjoy cars in the future going forward. What do you think about millennials and their attitudes about even older cars, because I'm a baby boomer. So baby boomers, there was a a giant demographic number of us uh, that were around. And of course, for like the millennial, we look back to our youth, the cars we wish we could have had, like you were looking at that 550 Marinello, or you wish you could have had it, but you can't. There could be a a point in your life when you can get that car or something like it uh, as your career progresses or income changes, whatever that might be. So what do you think about these older cars? What's going to happen with them in respects to millennials? Will will millennials migrate backwards from the cars in the 80s and 90s to cars from the 50s and 60s and pick up interest in those? Or like some people say, those cars aren't going to be worth anything to anybody because when all us baby boomers are gone, nobody's going to want them. It's a good question. I spoke to several analysts in the collector world. They're perspective is special cars will always be special. Things with a racing heritage, things that were uh, low volume, things that were really truly groundbreaking, they will always have value and they will always be in demand. It's the the other things like more base models, more regular models that were higher in volume. We're going to see demand drop off for those. And it's just the simple fact that there are more cars now, like our, our childhood's had more cars over time. And so we are looking the the way, you know, baby boomers looked at muscle cars and things from the 50s and 60s, we we are looking at things from the groupie rally area of the 80s or the JDM era of Japanese cars in the 90s. Those are our muscle cars. You know, those are our that's our experience. And so <laughs> we need to make room for those things essentially. And so you're going to see a drop off in uh, some of those older models. But at the end of the day, special car is a special car, and there will always be value in that. I think you're right. Yeah, absolutely. And that's definitely, I've been fortunate in the, in the collectible cars I've had, and I haven't had a lot, but I've had 
a fair number over my years. And I've always tried to buy something that first and foremost, I loved. And that's because it was probably special at the time when it came out and somewhat limited, if you will. And they've always done well financially. Um, how do did you determine or how did you come across millennials feeling about cars as investment options? Uh, that is, baby boomers many times will drive these prices up as they'll go, oh, these cars are going to be worth more. There's a lot of speculation that drives price up. And then when it gets too, too high or the economy dumps, it goes down. And then all of a sudden you're stuck with a car you thought was going to forever increase in value. Do millennials in general look at cars in that respect or does that not matter to them? I think there's there's definitely a lot of knowledge among millennials on what a car's worth is and where it's going in the market. It's very easy to follow things like that. Now with resources like Bring a Trailer uh, and other ways to follow car values, it's it's really easy to figure out if the market's going up or down. And I think there is uh, quite a lot of activity spurred on by, I think this is a good place to put my money for right now. I don't, I don't think it's at the level that other generations were doing where they're literally looking at it as, as a, a savings account. I don't think it's I don't think it's at that level. It may just be that we're we're just at a younger age right now and as as millennials get older that may become more of the of the objective. But I think right now they're they're looking for something special. They're looking for something different most of all. They want variety and they want uh, something unique. And I think that's the main driver right now, but I I would imagine as millennials age into an older demographic the investment will become more of the objective. And if you think about it, for baby boomers, the same thing happened with them. Uh, early on, they weren't really looking for as cars as something to gain value. Right. They just wanted something cool that they couldn't have when they were a kid. And so they bought something that now they could afford because they were in a position to afford it and never did many of them dream. And you and I in our pre-show chat were talking about early air, air-cooled 911s and 356s and how they've just gone Porsches had just gone through the roof mm-hmm. as far as values. I mean, never would you ever dream that Fraud Emery uh, outlaw car or speedster that sold on Bring a Trailer, well, now that we the show airs, would be a month or so back for a half million dollars. And you kind of go, holy cow. Yeah, that's up in the territory of a Concorde level speedster. But here's one that's been modified, but by a, a great modifier, someone with a real big name. And plus, if you've ever driven one of his cars, which I have, You'll never go back to a stock engine in a 356 because yeah. it's incredible. So, wow. Well, what was there maybe one or two other little things you learned with this book, Slow Car Fast? Yeah, I think, you know, to explain the title a little bit, if people aren't familiar with the term, it comes from uh, an old automotive idiom that it's better to drive a slow car fast than it is to drive a fast car slow. And that's really, I think, become one of the like defining mantras for for millennials is they're looking for uh, an experience that's going to make them feel involved and and feel enriching at the end of the day. And so there is more value on cars that it, it doesn't need to have the fastest zero to 60 time. Um, they want something that is going to have a good balance of performance and performance doesn't have to mean the biggest engine or the most horsepower or the fastest drag strip time. It can mean a really fun drive in a light tossable car uh, around some curvy roads. I just see that becoming more and more important. Um, car and modern cars being produced today are faster than ever, more powerful than ever, but you're also seeing automakers notice that shift too. And they're now much more than before, or at least that I've noticed, uh, emphasizing the handling characteristics, the steering, uh, the the overall vehicle dynamics. 
tighter chassis, lightweight materials, stuff like that. So I think it, this stuff is having an effect. And I think that's that's going to only become more important in the future. Very cool. Well, and as your book title at the end, Changing Car Culture for the Good, I assume that after writing this book, you've discovered that these are good changes that are coming. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think it's ju- I think it's just nice to have variety. And so I, I think that what's what's happening now is there's all different types of shows with all different types of cars and also, crucially, all different kinds of people. Um, I'm noticing uh, people from at car shows now from all different backgrounds, men and women, like in, in much higher numbers or a much, I should say, much more balanced number. I just think that the, the variety of car culture right now is what's so exciting. There's so many different things you can do to your car um, and so many different types of cars that you have at your disposal if you... You know, if you have $10,000 to spend on a fun car now, you have literally hundreds, maybe thousands of options. That's an exciting thing. Well, it is a good thing because at some point, cars get so ridiculously expensive that a majority of people can't afford them. And what that can lead to is an atrophy of the car culture of people going, you know what? I can't even play in this game. Right. Um, And so I'm not even going to try. I'm going to go do something else because I feel left out. I feel like I can't participate. Um, I'm not a part of it. And if I do show up with a cheaper, quote unquote, car, people kind of look down going, what are you doing here? Right. And that's not good in, in any respect. You want to uh, be inclusive of, of all different people. And I think that I've told people too is, you know, you may not like a certain group of cars. Let's say you're not into hot rods, but go to a hot rod show and just talk to the people and really look at the cars and the workmanship and craftsmanship. And you might learn to like them. It doesn't mean you have to buy one and drive one, but you can appreciate them. And you can learn an awful lot from the people who build them. So, uh, yeah, it's all good stuff. This is very cool. And how can people, again, get a copy of this book? The book is available right now at CarraraBooks.com. It's Carrara is C-A-R-R-A-R-A, books.com. Cool. I'll make sure I put a link to that on Ryan's show notes page. I encourage you to check this book out, get a copy, maybe get a couple copies and share them with your friends. Awesome, awesome news. And congratulations on launching this new book. Thank you. Uh, as part of this new media program and business that you have. Ryan, up next is the last lap. Before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars yeah sponsors. When you want proven performance, there's one brand that's been around since 1938. That's Edelbrock, building the finest American-made performance products for the street and track. Edelbrock's products are designed and dyno-proven to deliver maximum results. Edelbrock has thousands of made-in-the-USA performance products for all makes and models. From their new AVS2 carburetor and innovative ProFlow 4 EFI for your muscle car or truck. To superchargers for your daily driver and more, visit edelbrock.com. To check out the latest products for your ride, and when you're ready to check out, enter Cars Yeah in the coupon code and get 10% off your order. That's that's Edelbrock, automotive performance since 1938. You take care of your cars, but who takes care of your investments? Tune-ups aren't just for engines. Updating your financial plan is important too. Your GPS may take you from A to B, but it won't help you on the road to financial freedom. For that, you need a good co-pilot and a very trusted advisor. Chris Kimball, CFP, is just the man for the job. He'll guide you down that road without driving you crazy. For over 25 years, Chris has helped people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. With a master's degree in financial services, he is eminently qualified, and he's a car guy too. Learn more at chrisvkimble.com or call 866-ON-A-PLAN. 
Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member FINRA SIPC. CK Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah website at carsyeah.com. Okay, Ryan, we're back. And I have a bit of an introspective question for you. If you woke up tomorrow and you were a vehicle, not what you want to be, because we know you want to be a 550, but how you <laughs> perceive yourself as a car, maybe you do perceive yourself as a 550, Marinello, what would Ryan be and why? One of the key areas that I focus on in slow car fast is these fast versions of pedestrian cars that are coming out now. You have cars like the Focus RS and well, even the the Civic. Um, I was, I was at Costco. Yeah, yeah, Civic I was at Costco. Yeah, I was at Costco the other day with my wife, and I stopped, and she goes, "What are you looking at?" And I said, "Check out the back of this car." And it was one of those Civics, and she's like, "Well, that's a Honda. You're not really into those." I go, "But just look at this thing. The three pipes." Right. You know, exhaust pipes and the wing. And I go, well, that's crazy. Typically roll their eyes and go, come on, dear. We got to get all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, we're starting to see more of them, but this idea goes back a long way. And um, one of the, the cars that I think best embodies it is the BMW M5s from the uh, 80s. Yeah. And um, they're, just, they're just such a classic look, extremely clean. I'm thinking of the E34 era in uh-huh. like the late, late 80s, early 90s. Perfectly analog, manual transmission. Um, on the outside to an untrained eye, looks like a regular BMW 5 Series. And there are just little hints here and there that there's more lying underneath. You know, I like to think of myself as reserved and soft-spoken, but mm-hmm. carrying, uh, hopefully carrying... A big uh, stick. <laughs> a, a big stick. Yeah. Um, so I may be uh, being a little generous to myself, but I, I'll say if I was a car, I, I would be uh, an E34 M5. Yeah, I tell you, when I bought my first BMW, it was an E36 M3, and the salesman was saying, "You know, Mark, if you like fast cars, drive this M5." Mm-hmm. And oh my gosh, I mean, it, and, and all those cars as they progress through their history, I always used to say, when you get in one of those and drive it, the power doesn't stop; it just keeps coming and coming and coming and coming. And you're right. I mean, somewhat reserved. I'm not a bigger four door car guy, so I, I got the M3 because I like sedan small cars, but impressive. Very impressive cars, and I love to see that these are coming back and people are finding some that weren't just abused and used up and tossed away yeah. um, and bringing them back. So, And I'm seeing a little bit of that in car magazines as well with those M5s. So, mm-hmm. you know, like Grassroots Motorsports and some of those cars, car magazines where people are bringing those back and uh, having fun with them. And they were hugely expensive, but devalued pretty quickly, and now very affordable, of course, costly to repair and work on. But if you can do some of that yourself and the analog nature of them, you can figure it out. Lots mm-hmm. of stuff to learn out there on YouTube. So I like that. I like the fact that you're an M5, Ryan. Very cool. All right. Uh, we are ending the last lap. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some quick blips of that M5 throttle, which should sound really cool. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? I would love to give you a very profound uh, thought that's been <laughs> passed down to me, but 
my last two and a half years of being a writer for trucks.com, I learned a lot about all the practical things that trucks can do. And the thing that was reiterated over to me time and time again was know your tow ratings and check what your truck is capable of before you start towing things. Because I think, and in speaking to people interviewing truck owners who tow heavy boats or heavy equipment, I was shocked how many people do not weigh uh, their their loads or their trucks or don't even know the tow rating at all. They just assume that, oh, it's a truck. It will be able to do it. And that can be very dangerous. So like I said, I would love to give you some some very uh, inspiring (laughs) automotive advice. But the best automotive advice I can tell you is check your tow ratings and make sure your truck is capable of what you're towing. You know, really, really wise advice. And I think you're right. And you can just go on YouTube and see numerous uh, imagery of people towing things too heavy, uh, flipping trailers, having accidents, uh, crazy stuff. So yeah, definitely. It's the old read your manual and know what you're doing. Because uh, mm-hmm. you can you can kill yourself uh, pretty easily, so uh, mm-hmm. be careful out there. Now I have to ask you real quick. My next door neighbor has a, a he bought a new Raptor last year and then went to Raptor School Ford Raptor, and then they had him hook line and sinker, and he bought another one uh, less than a year later because the new <laughs> ones. Yeah, I mean, it's just I, I couldn't believe it. He came home from Raptor School, sold his his car that was I think eleven months old, and bought a brand new one. What do you think about those Raptors? Have you had a chance to drive one? I have. I spent a lot of time in them, and uh, the I, I don't necessarily disagree with his decision. The new one has uh, vastly improved shocks that are a lot of fun to take at high speed off road. So, uh, as much as I'm sure uh, that was a, a decision on a whim, I understand it and agree with it. And also, uh, that's a a great slow car fast if you think about it. So, although I tell you, when he let me drive his truck, I, I'm not sure about the word slow and it relates to that truck. I was blown away but those fox shocks that come stock on that car uh are incredible and are that truck and uh yeah very very impressive so now he gets to go to raptor school again so i'm wondering if there's another new raptor in his future 12 12 months from now we'll see how about a personal habit do you have one that you believe has contributed to your many successes over the years yeah i've had to be really diligent about improving my productivity and um you know it's easy when you're a writer to get into a funk and hit a wall and the thing that Uh, I started to do a few years ago that has helped immensely is I get up as early as possible and do the biggest thing that I have for the day, very first thing in the morning when I'm fresh and well rested. And before the the tasks and the phone calls of the day have bogged me down, I get the most work done that I possibly can on the biggest thing I have to do for the day. Um, And I'm talking like I've been getting up at five or six sometimes Mm -hmm. um, and just going straight into it. And that may not be early for everyone, but that was very, very early for me. And so that was an adjustment, but I, I'm very glad that I started to do that and have uh, been able to stick with it because it's helped. You know, it's a great thing. I call it swallowing the frog. Right. Uh, yeah. Which is just get the thing out of the way that you don't want to do. So it's out of the way. It's the same with uh, exercising, working out, whatever you, you know, if it kind of lingers on the day, it just, it just clogs everything with your days is coming forward. So that's great. Yeah. I'm an early riser too, up around five thirty every morning. So, uh, it's amazing what you could get done in those first few hours uh, right. that you could be hitting snooze. And then, you, you know, so once you start doing it too, uh, amazing how much work you can get done in one day. So it's kind of what that term, the army, we get more done before 9 a.m. than most people do in an entire day. So, uh, yeah, kind of get up, get, get up early and get to work. Well, that's the idea. It feels like, uh, it feels like you're beating the world to the punch sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. How about a resource? There are so many these days. Is there one you'd like to share? 
Yeah, I'd like to really emphasize the importance that Instagram has on car culture today. Um, and so if you really want to get a sense of what people are into right now um, and where things are going, there are some great accounts. I would recommend Hoonigan on Instagram, as well as Radwood um, to get a sense of what kind of cars people are liking and also what kind of events and shows people want to be at these days. And then the third one is uh, Grid Life on Instagram um, is a, a car show that includes live music, camping, track uh, time and racing and static car shows as well. So I, those three things and just the importance of Instagram in general, if you want to see where car culture is going, that's a great place. Absolutely. Do you have an Instagram account? I do. My personal one is uh, Zoomy575M. And you can also find us at Carrara Books. Awesome. Great. So spell that for me, Zoomy. Is it Z-U-M-M-Y? Z-U-M-M-Y. It was my uh, nickname as a kid because no one wanted to say Zumalin. I see. Zoomy575M, correct? That's right. All right. Great. Make sure I put that link on your show notes page. Now, if I could arrange for you to sit down and have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would it be? The one person that I tried to track down for the book that I could not make a connection with, and that is Thomas Amerschlager, who was the program development director for the original BMW E30 M3. I really wanted to emphasize the importance of the E30 M3, um, and, and you're seeing it now in the ways that values are just absolutely skyrocketing for that car. Appreciation is really at an all-time high, and it's in large part due to the work that Mr. Amerschlager did to incorporate his racing background and turn that car from an entry-level luxury sedan into what would become probably the most successful uh, sports car of all time. Yeah, that was a pretty cool car. Remember when it first came out, I was much younger, of course, and I first looked at it and I went, oh, come on, what are they trying to do here? They're trying to make a basic car look racy with a little wing and flared, flared fenders, and I wasn't quite so sure about it. And then I drove one and I went, oh, I see what's going on here. Right. Of course, yeah. Of course, now they're just, yeah, they're iconic figures. I've got several friends. Uh, uh, Bill has, a friend of mine, Bill has an incredibly spectacular one. My friend Douglas here in the Northwest has a very cool Hinnerot, uh M3, uh, E30 M3. I mean, just nice cars. So, uh, yeah, and uh, should have bought one about five, seven, eight years ago because <laughs> they've gotten crazy, crazy expensive. Now, uh, is there a book you'd like to re recommend? And I know Slow Car Fast, a millennial mantra changing car culture for good is definitely on your list as books that uh, our listeners should have. But is there another book you'd like to share? There are actually two coming out that I haven't had a chance to read yet, but I'm very excited about. Um, I'm just thrilled that there are different types of, of car books coming out. Um, and we're exploring different different avenues for what kind of topics car books can can cover. Um, and one of them is by Jason Torchinsky, the editor at Jalopnik. He wrote a book recently called Robot Take the Wheel. And it's about the future of self-driving cars and what that's going to do to our driving tastes and, and car culture. Um, and I'm very excited to read that one. And then um, the journalist Ed Niedermeyer has a, a book coming out on Tesla titled Ludicrous which I'm very, very excited to see. He's a, he's a great authority on, on all things Tesla. And so I'm very excited to dive into both of those books and uh, encourage more people to uh, try to become authors in the automotive scene because uh, I, I just love reading stuff like that. Interesting you mentioned Ludacris because the day we're recording the show, I just got a notification from the publisher and I'm going to be 
talking with Ed, hopefully in the near future here to have him on the show about that book. So yeah, I'm glad that you mentioned that. I've had lots of authors, uh, automotive authors on the show here, hundreds now. And of course, you're part of that group, Ryan, or part of the Cars Yeah alumni now. So uh, happy, happy to mention that. And of course, I'll put a link to Ryan's book as well, because that's available now today. Again, congratulations uh, on Ryan's show notes page. All right, we are up to the checkered flag, and this last question could be a bit of a doozy. Today, I'm going to buy you any cool collector car, Ryan. I'm going to be a very good Santa Claus to you. Anything you want, I'm going to park in your garage, but there's some rules to this game. You know what those rules are because you're a regular listener. You can't sell it to buy a bunch of other toys with. You have to drive it. No garage queens allowed here on Cars Yeah, but it's the only collector car you can have in your garage. You have to be very careful what you choose because you got to live with it. So what's it going to be? Easy question for me. It's that Ferrari 550 in a a red with a tan in leather interior and a gated six-speed shifter that is that is the one yeah absolutely well that shouldn't be too hard for me to find and uh <laughs> uh well we'll get out there and see what i can uh, find for you a drive from the pacific northwest down to long beach would be a nice coastal drive i could deliver that to you in your garage so, i appreciate uh, that mark thank yeah, you you're welcome we'll see what we can do how fast i can get down there i'll call you when i'm starting you can time me Ryan, you've taken us on a great ride today. Really enjoyed your stories. Thank you for reaching out to me to be a guest here. Thank you for listening to the Cars Yeah podcast as a regular listener as well. I really appreciate that. Could you offer us one parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you rip off into the sunset in your very own Ferrari 550? The thing I keep telling myself is somebody's going to do your dream job, so it might as well be you. I love it. Great saying. And what's the best way for our listeners to follow along with you and what you're doing? Check out Carrara Media at CarraraBooks.com to buy the book and see what else we're up to. We've got a book reading coming. Actually, by the time this airs, it will have already happened. But maybe there's another event coming up in your area. Um, would love to to see you there. And uh, on Instagram, uh, it's Carrara at Carrara Books. There you go. I'll make sure I put those links on Ryan Shona's page. Follow along with this millennial is doing because that, of course, is the next generation of car fanatics in our country and in the world. So, uh Check out what he's doing. Get a copy of this book so old guys like me can understand what you young guys are thinking. Uh, anytime we can understand that, we'll get along a lot better, I think. But uh, I tell you, I see more and more young people at the car shows I go to. I'm very excited um, about what I saw uh, this summer with Car Week and everything of young people attending. So I uh, really appreciate you being on the show. Thank you, Ryan, for being so generous today with your time, your expertise, and for sharing your experiences with our listeners. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thanks, Mark. You're welcome. Hey, Mark Green here from Cars Yeah. Did you know you can now see me on the Cars Yeah TV show? It's a weekly visit to some of my past Cars Yeah podcast guests, and I take you along for the ride. You go behind the garage door and into their lives, their businesses, and you get to see what makes them successful. With tens of millions of viewers, Cars Yeah TV is making its mark. Cars Yeah TV is available on MAV TV and Lucas Oil Racing TV. You'll find MAV TV on Direct TV. Fubo TV, Fios by Verizon, or you can stream it through Lucas Oil Racing Television online. And they said I only had a face for podcasting. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!